Hey parents, it's Robin McMahon here. Before you dive into this episode, I want to say thank you. Thank you for listening to my show, Parenting Our Future. And did you know that you can watch this show as well on YouTube? If you want to watch this episode instead of listening to it, you can head over to my YouTube channel, Parenting for Connection, where you will find all of my podcast episodes as well as a library of my videos that have tips and parenting strategies on how to parent even the most difficult kiddos. You will learn how to get better behavior, better listening, so that you can feel more calm and confident in your parenting no matter what you're facing. So I hope to see you over on YouTube. Now back to the show. It's another episode of Parenting Our Future that I am so excited about. I know I say it all the time. I do. But I want you to know that the people who I choose to be on this show with me, I choose them very specifically and specially so that you come away from this podcast knowing that the time that you've spent listening and taking this in is of value to you. It is so important to me that what I share with you and what my guests share with you helps you. So with that in mind, I have a wonderful guest that you're just going to love. I have Dr. Deborah Offner. She's a clinical psychologist. She's worked in schools and colleges as a counselor and educator for 25 years. She currently serves as a consulting psychologist at Beacon Academy, which is a one-year full-time preparatory program for students from low-income households in the Boston area who plan to attend independent day and boarding schools. Deborah's first book, and I love this title, Educators as First Responders, A Teacher's Guide to Adolescent Development and Mental Health is available now. It just came out and she has been featured in Psychology Today, Boston Globe, Shape, Fatherly, and so much more. Dr. Deborah, welcome. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom with us. Thanks for having me. Okay. So we are living in a world right now that is... It's hard if you consume news, if you just open your eyes, it's hard. There's weird weather, there are world events, there's things like pandemics, and mental health is really being affected. The mental health of parents, especially, and our kids really, really struggling. So it goes without saying that we are stressed. And so, as parents, I want to start here. How does our stress? it really truly impact our kids, our stress as parents. Yeah, so um, it impacts our kids in so many different ways. I think one thing that um, not all parents realize, but I know because I talk to so many kids, is that our kids are pretty tuned into our moods, um, not just how we feel about them or how we're expressing approval or impatience or frustration, but how we're doing in general. And so in my practice and in the schools where I work, when I talk with students um, who are in middle school or high school, they will often report to me about how their parents are doing and the ways in which that affects them. And some kids are great at explaining it. Like, I know my mom just had a hard day at the office and she told me that and that's why she was impatient. So it can be helpful for kids to know what is affecting us. Um, But if if we think that they won't notice a bad mood, I think we're probably um, mistaken. (laughs) Like, what does my stress have to do with you? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They pick up on everything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They pick up on everything. Yeah. And so, you know, when, when we were talking just before we hit record, you were talking about parents and really what your message is to parents. Can you elaborate on that and sort of say what you told me uh, at the beginning? 
Yeah, I think my message to parents is that if you have a middle school or high school kid and they're acting like you're not important, you don't matter, you're stupid. I mean, that's sort of normal to a certain extent. Um, you really matter to them in ways that they may not be expressing or acknowledging even to themselves. And again, I base this on all of my work with kids and talking with them on a daily basis. Um, they really care what you think of them. They care about your approval. They look to you as a role model. Um, and I think parents play a much bigger role in teenagers' lives than we used to think. Um, kids really care about their parents and really need them. And these years is you know, almost as much as they do when they're little, just in different ways. And in addition to that, because we are so influential in ways that maybe we didn't realize because our kids are like, hug me, but don't touch me or like, yes. get away from me. I want to be with my friends. Well, it, they, we are still the most influential people in their lives. And if yes. we don't understand developmental stages, brain science, how the yes. nervous system works, for example, we are really lost and we're going to do all the wrong things right? And, and take their behavior personally, uh, fight mm -hmm, battles mm -hmm. that we don't need to fight, misinterpret their behavior to be, to mean something different. And so we need to learn some of this stuff in order to be the best parents we can so that our kids grow up and thrive. And to that end, it's okay to ask for help and learn this, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, anyone can have a baby, and when you take your baby home from the hospital, it's kind of a strange experience, or at least it was for me, because I thought, wait a minute, like, how am I just walking out of here with this baby? I have no idea what I'm doing. And, you know, when your kid becomes a teenager, it's almost like having that happen all over again. Most parents weren't trained in child psychology or development or anything like that. And even those of us who were, being a parent of your own child is a really different, more emotionally intense experience. So um, I think it's wonderful to read parenting books. It's wonderful to talk with your child's school counselor who knows many kids your child's age about, you know, what should you expect and how should you understand this and what are they seeing at school with the kids these days, you know, just to kind of get information, especially if your kid isn't a big sharer. You, know, you can talk to other adults about what they're experiencing. That's always kind of a relief, you know, when you hear, yeah. oh, your daughter's doing that too. Oh, I thought it was just my family, you know. And there's reasons why teenagers act the way they do. It's part of what's happening in yeah. their brain. And we Absolutely. completely misunderstand it. We take it the wrong way and then we punish them for it. We take things away. We shame them at a time when they really need our acceptance the most, right? Absolutely. And one of the developmental tasks that kids are working on in adolescence is independence. And it's funny because some kids are reluctant to leave you know, their parents or, you know, go out and about on their own. Other kids overestimate their abilities, thinking they can go do all kinds of stuff they really have no business doing. Um, but they're supposed to be trying to be independent and they're supposed to be trying to separate. That's a, a normal developmental task, but it feels like rejection when your kid who used to be snuggly and cuddly and affectionate and you were like their best friend ever, all of a sudden, like, doesn't want to talk to you, but they're just trying to work on their own, you know, self and understanding what's going on around them. And often that means they take a step back or retreat into themselves or want to be with their friends, but it's not meant as a rejection. It's appropriate and normal. Yeah. I, you know, parenting is going to break your heart. Let's just face it. Right. It, like it does. It does. It's yeah. And it's not about you. It's not about you, right. right? We've got to give them the space. And like, remember, you were a teenager once too. It's hard to remember sometimes, but you know, 
they they leave for a bit and then they do come back too and these are crucial years that we don't want to mess it up and look i get it i i am living with a 17 and a 15 year old it's not easy Mm -hmm. there's lots of things that have come up in these teen years but i've also been able to see maturity and growth and evolution in them and that is exciting that's exciting yes and that's the thing i mean kids are moving forward all the time even when there's so much you know chaos around them or so many issues they're contending with that it's hard to see that. But for the most part, kids are moving in the right direction. If they're not, there's many ways to get help for them, for yourself, you know, with the school or professional therapists or counselors to help kind of get things back in the right direction. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, okay. So we're talking kind of about Gen Z. So what do you say yeah. about Gen Z, where they're going? What, what do they want? What are their priorities? Like, how do we just understand Gen Z? Yeah, so Gen Z is, I mean, you know, it's it's a, a much studied group at this point and, you know, will continue to be. And I think some of the findings that have come out of the psychological research um, have to do with, well, number one, these are digital natives, right? So these are all kids that have never lived a life without iPhones and video games and, and the internet. Um, and so that's really different from any previous generation, right? Um, another thing about them is that they are... Um, they seem to be the most perfectionistic generation um, that the U.S. has ever seen. Millennials are close behind them on that front. And so they expect more of themselves and more of other people than any previous generation. And I certainly see that in my practice a lot, working with middle and high school kids who will literally be in tears over a B plus. And that's something I wasn't seeing 20 years ago, um, Mm -hmm. except in a much smaller subset of kids. So this emphasis on having to do it all and be it all, I think is really pervasive. And they're living in such an uncertain world. Um, the pandemic is only one aspect you know, of what these Gen Z kids, whether they were in elementary school, middle school, high school, or college, have had to go through. Um, but that will shape them for years to come. And many of them haven't caught up yet in terms of social development, you know, academic development, many of them have, but um, they've lost a lot and their lives have been you know, upended, some more than others. Yeah, I, I think that Gen Z brings with them a real invitation for us to relook at the way we do things because mm-hmm. we know that that you know what you said. I think you nailed it. That they ex they expect more of themselves and others. They want more and different, and they see us coming home and we're we're dog tired. We've been treated yes. poorly at work, and they're like, "Oh heck, no! I'm not going to put up with that." That's I, right. They're, they're, they're a funny group because they're very invested in the idea of work-life balance because yeah. they've seen so many of their parents not have it, but they're also wanting to do everything perfectly. So it's, they're in a bind. Yeah. 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 And, and we have to model imperfection. We have to model failure. We have to model, mm-hmm. you know, steps and, and all that kind of stuff, because if we don't, then they lose out on the fact that that's just a shared human experience. And so that's self-compassion too. Right. And, and that's important. I agree with that. And I think a lot of kids look to us, their parents as being very sort of perfect and accomplished and high achieving, you know, if we are, it, however that's measured, and they don't see the flaws. I mean, much as they may dismiss our opinions and things like that, um, a lot of kids, I think, feel like they can't possibly live up to kind of what their parents have achieved or attained. And and even if the parents aren't trying to, you know, say that, or give that message, 
kids can often idealize their parents in ways that make them feel inadequate. And certainly other kids, if their parents have done very poorly in life for whatever reason, um, lack of material resources, drug addiction, severe psychiatric illness, for those kids, I think it's a lot of fear. Like, I don't want to end up like my parent, you know, who really struggles as an adult. So it's hard to find that middle ground. Well, and when it's driven by fear, that's not a great motivator, is yeah, it? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, so I want I want to switch gears a little bit because we've got these kids, right? We've so we've got parents who are stressed out, yeah. we've got kids that are stressed out, and then we have teachers who are stressed out, burnt mm-hmm. out scraping the bottom of the barrel. And I got to tell you, I have so much love, respect, admiration for teachers that I, I think they should be the highest paid people because their jobs are just so important. They, they, what what they, how they contribute to, to the future is so important. So, okay. There's, there's my soapbox for a second. Um, let's talk about teacher burnout. What is happening with them? Yeah, so I think, I mean, um, teachers are burned out uh, for lots of different reasons. Low pay isn't even probably the primary reason for the burnout, although it's certainly an aggravating factor and and a problem, you know, for another conversation. Um, I think a lot of the reason for the burnout actually is um, not just the overwork of the pandemic and the kind of collective crisis where everybody's been in crisis. You know, it wasn't just the teachers, it wasn't just the families, it's everybody, but also... um, What's considered by psychologists to be um, secondary trauma um, and also compassion fatigue. And these are two things that um, we know affect um, medical caregivers, doctors and nurses and other personnel um, dealing with patients um, who have experienced trauma, whether it's in combat or violence or illness. Um, But for teachers dealing with kids day to day who themselves have difficult things going on, whether it's psychiatric issues that the kids have or that their parents have, kids whose parents are separating or divorced, um, lack material resources, all these kinds of things. It's the effect of both this vicarious kind of secondary trauma that when you're with someone who goes through it, you also experience it in being close to them. And compassion fatigue is kind of a related phenomenon where you, you're so busy caring for others that you don't have the resources or energy left for yourself, you become depleted. So those are big reasons that I'm seeing in the schools where I um, meet with teachers. Yeah, I, I'm struck by that secondary trauma. I'm mm-hmm. struck by that because yeah, you are invested, like you love these kids as teachers. Yeah, exactly. Too, right? Like mm-hmm. it's hard to, it's hard to put that line up yes. uh, and you see a kid struggling and, and yeah, that, that is not your, it's not your trauma, but you are watching it, living it, worrying about them. And oh my goodness, yes. I mean, we didn't even touch on, you know, the drug crisis and fentanyl and, uh, you know, all yep. of this stuff where a kid makes one mistake and that's yes. it, you know, I mean, that, that, yes. that's really tough. That, that is really hard to handle and compassion fatigue. Yes, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. That is what caregivers yes experience yeah yeah, how interesting is that and I know that there's lots of psychologists and mental health um, professionals who are burning out and taking leave that too yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. it's really tough really really tough and and I do want to offer that there is another group of people like myself who are parent coaches who are here as 
another resource to help and support you with your kids. We can help you to understand your kids' behavior in a different way, but also understand what's going on with you. We can help you mm-hmm, with all mm-hmm. of it and move you forward. So, um, you know, I, I, it's, I just want to put that out there too. Um, so then if teachers are feeling this way and parents are feeling this way, where do we go from here? Is Where do we go from here? What do we need to do? So I think one thing that parents and teachers can do is to listen to each other, know each other, respect each other, and try to work collaboratively. So um, what I always tell teachers is, um, if you can, you know, as time permits, get to know where these parents are coming from, what their values are, what their culture is, what their belief system is, what their family history is. Um, whether you learn it from them directly or you learn it from the school counselor or someone else who knows them and is able to talk with you to just get a sense of context because most parents, their behavior makes sense if you know what the background is. And otherwise, it doesn't necessarily make sense and can feel you know, inappropriate or problematic. Um, and you, know, you can take it personally. And then to parents, I say, when you're dealing with your kids' teachers, you know, remember that you know your kid, but they know lots of kids. And so there may be perspectives that they have on kids this age or on the school culture or on, or on your child's kind of role or position within the classroom that you really would benefit from hearing and knowing and understanding. So I think it's a lot about listening to each other and respecting each person's point of view, because I think that's something that can fall away when everybody's tense and stressed and kind of in a, and almost like an ongoing chronic crisis. Hmm. Wow. That, that's really wise advice. I, I, you know, I get, I get frustrated on both sides. I get frustrated hearing that parents are the problem. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they are, but sometimes I also get frustrated are. hearing teachers are the problem because my goodness, there's a lot that they're doing. And I bet there's a lot that they're taking home. So to collaborate, I love that idea. Like, let's just like, let's just join forces, right? We like we're try to be on the same influence. team. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're all exactly. influential. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So do you, so, so in your book, do you have ways do you have strategies on how to approach a teacher like if you are struggling if your child is struggling like how would you broach that subject or conversation so I think you know what I would say to parents is you want to approach a teacher with an open mind um, and recognizing that you only know the child that you see at home and so often what happens is the teacher is seeing a different side of your child now for some parents that means you think your kid's impossible And then you go into the school and they say, oh, he's such a pleasure to have in class. He's great. And you're like, who are you talking about? Um, That's not so bad when that happens. I think what's what's hard is when you think your kid is, you know, doing their best and, you know, doing a great job and you feel protective of them and you hear something from a teacher that's negative or critical or problematic. Um, It's important not to get defensive. It's really hard because we all want to protect our kids and we all think our kids are, you know, the best. Um, But to try to be open when you approach a teacher and understand that they may know a different kid than the one that you know. Um, And if that's the case, that's really important information for you to get just as important for you to share what you know about your child. Mm -hmm. You know, and the teacher, we hope if they're a good one, is open to hearing that as well. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. That's great advice. So, um, in terms of our kids and if they are really struggling then, um, so yeah. we, you know, maybe we've met with a teacher, maybe we, you know, uh, we've, we've done those kinds of things. 
when do we know when it's time to actually get your kiddo some professional help? That's a great question. I think it's hard to know, you know, except obviously in, um, well, maybe not obviously, but in more extreme circumstances. I mean, if a kid is injuring themselves, if a kid is sleeping mm -hmm. all the time, if a kid is not eating, if a kid is, you know, suddenly different from how they were. I mean, that's really important too, is like, what's the baseline? And obviously adolescents are growing and changing, but if your kids start seeming very, very different, you can often start with the pediatrician, the school counselor. If you have the contacts and the availability of mental health providers, they're a great resource. You can even run something by one of them. Um, and this is true for a pediatrician or school counselor without even bringing your kid there and just say, this is what I'm seeing. What do you think? And then they can ask you kind of, thoughtful, well-informed questions that guide a conversation so they can help you figure out like, is this serious or do I need to do something differently? But anything to do with self-harm or talking about wanting to die or something yeah. like that, you really want to be reaching out right away. Yeah. And and one thing I, I will always say is that if your child says, I want to kill myself, you take them to yeah, the emergency yeah. right away. Like you don't mess around with that. That's right. And, and you take it at face value, even if you don't believe that they would, because the problem is a lot of people who say that don't act on it right away. They may act on it eventually, or they may never, but you don't know. And these are split second decisions. And I've certainly seen kids die from suicide at the schools that I've been involved with. And, you know, all it takes is that moment where they decide and there's no turning back. And so better safe than sorry, even if you get stuck in the ER for eight hours, um, it's better to do that um, than to risk, you know, your kid dying. Absolutely. And either they really need the help and you did the right thing or yeah. it was a false alarm and they'll never do that again, you know, that or they'll fair. get help or yeah, either or. So you're yeah, and, like, it is serious. Uh, it's very serious. So, um, mm -hmm. okay. I just have to... Uh just pause for a quick you know what my experience has been is that having the conversation will with with the teachers with the counselors with the school in general is really a great place to start uh, in addition to your doctor and, and that sort of thing as well because there are so many programs and resources that the school knows yes. about that you probably yes. don't have any idea um, that's and, right. and that, that's a real, uh, a real scenario with, with us and, and our boys, uh, in, in uh -huh. high school, you know, uh, and even other people that I know it's like, oh, well, we've got this, yeah. we've got this, we've got this. Yes. Like, in fact, uh, a couple parents and I went to, uh, like a community forum at the high school and the amount of support that's out there is, is actually yes. is, was blew, blew my mind. Yeah. So, yeah. That's great. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And just opening up and, you know, really it may, may take some vulnerability. It's not easy, but opening up yes. to say, okay, look, I do need some help. You know, where do I go from here? Absolutely. I mean, you're not supposed to be an expert in parenting. I think there's a lot of ideas that somehow we're all supposed to know exactly what we're doing. Um, and it's just, it's not realistic at all. Um, and the other thing about the school as a resource too, is that you might think your kid is the first one to ever have X, Y, or Z go on. But a lot of times, especially if you talk to an experienced teacher or counselor, they'll say, yeah, we had a kid last year who had that and this is what was helpful or, you know, that kind of thing. They've seen a lot of things before that you haven't. 
Yeah, exactly. And, you know, for the most part, they are all wonderful people programs and you just, you just have to, you just have to talk to them. And I think, you know, going in there with a, an attitude of, you know, some gratitude for, for, for them and what they do, you know, mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's really telling, um, you know, educators as first responders, it pretty much is that, which they is of course the title yeah. of your book, right? So yeah. can you tell me what you mean by that in your words, uh, educators as first responders. Yeah. Why did you call your book that? What's, what's that about? Yeah. So, so this is, um, you know, I was, I was talking to my, um, hairdresser the other day, you know, while she was cutting my hair and, um, you know, she's probably like 28 or something. Uh- <laughs> um, and you know, she's super cool. And I, and I, I was telling her about my book and, um, I tried to explain it to her. Um, and you know, she didn't go to college or anything and she's not a teacher. She's a hairdresser. Um, and I said, you know how in high school, like if you have a problem or like one of your friends had a problem, they would go to their favorite teacher to, to talk to them about it. And she just said a hundred percent. Um, and that's, that's really why, because what I found working in a school and continue to find is that when kids have something going on, they don't choose necessarily the school counselor. They don't choose the parent. They don't choose the dean of students. They might choose the ceramics teacher because that's the person that they trust or like or look up to. And so when I worked in a school, teachers were often the first ones kids went to. Um, in addition, teachers know kids because they see them every day and they often notice when a kid seems off, angry, tired, different from how they usually are. And so many of my referrals in the schools come from teachers because that's really who kids go to. And so teachers have great instincts um, and they're often really gifted with children. That's why they're in this field, but they don't have the training or skills or the confidence sometimes. And so this book is designed to sort of give them all of those things on top of their own natural abilities. That's phenomenal. I love that. And what a great point. What a great point. And actually the pandemic you know, one of the unintentional consequences or unfortunate consequences is that kids weren't being seen by these teachers and they weren't able to pick up things like abuse. And uh, we know there was a lot more. So boy, these teachers play such a crucial role in our communities, in our society. Yes. And yeah, they're the ones on the ground. Yeah, exactly. And that's really why I say they should be paid the most, not knowing. I course, agree. Not the most important uh, thing is just the money, but, but uh, you know, it is, it is really important that we value them way more than they are way more. I than couldn't agree with that more. Yeah. 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 Our, I mean, our kids' lives often depend on them in many, yeah. many ways. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So you have um, given us a really great tool for the parent toolbox. Of course, you can go to parent-toolbox.com. That's where uh, all of these resources from amazing guests like you uh, live and you can download for free at any time. And you've got uh, it's rules for the road, tips for parents of middle and high school students. How can I talk to my teenager? It's fantastic it's so good it's like a roadmap to doing what you struggle to do on a daily basis like how do you connect with your kids oh how was your day fine or like right, exactly. you know right there's so much more than that and uh 
you know, I, I love everything that you say, you know, it's about listening. It's about validating. It's about empathy. It is also like, don't take it personally. Don't make it about you, but so much more. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil everything that you have in here because we want you to go to the, the parent toolbox to get that. Um, and of course for you, um, we want people to go and, and, you know, look at the work that you're doing. Um, if you're a teacher, you know, this book will really help you, but I'm sure this book helps parents as well. Yeah. People are saying that it's really useful for parents because it's kind of the nuts and bolts of adolescence. Yeah. And yeah, like, like you said, we, we, we weren't born knowing how to go through this and help our kids exactly. in this type of climate, this type of world with that age group. Cause it's tough. It's yes. really tough. And like we said, it'll break it your heart. <laughs> yes. Every time. Yeah. Time and more once. Yeah. Once. Yeah. It's the truth. Um, yeah. You can you can you can lessen that. You can just lessen that and uh and really learn about things that you don't know that really helps. And so that's everything that I stand for here. So meeting somebody like you and talking to to somebody like you just uh, makes my day and I know is helping the parents that are listening right now. So thank you so much. Deborah, you are wonderful. And please go to her website. It's DebraOffnerPhD.com. And uh, and you can you can find all of her good stuff there. She's also on LinkedIn. She's on Facebook. And uh, those links are all in the show notes, as well as um, just going to the parent toolbox to get her uh, her guide on how to, how to talk to your teenager. That is a guide that is that is worth a lot. So thank you so much for being here. Great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.